0: Hi, Lance Meekle, founder and managing director, Generational. The coach that will enable you to at least double your revenue, retain your key clients, and have a saleable business that others will only envy. You're listening to Family Office Coaching with Lance Meekle Podcast. On this podcast, you'll hear how implementing a multi family office solution to your business will produce income that you can now only dream of, deliver you a strategy for key client retention, and ensure that you have solidified relationships with the clients that you want and can't afford to lose. If creating a business that has a saleable revenue of nine to 12 times, or EBIT of five to six times interest you, then listen up. So to get started, go to our website, genmfo.com. That's G-E-N-M-F-O where you'll find heaps of free insights. You can request a free e-guide to get answers to all of your questions. And while on the website, visit our YouTube channel, and watch our videos. For more amazing episodes, go to familyofficecoaching.podbean.com, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or your favorite podcast app. If you want to start making money now and have a more rewarding career, then take action by contacting me personally via LinkedIn so we can get started. Thanks for spending your time listening to this episode. New advisor to family office sector, how has it been? So this podcast is going to gift you the, both the pain and the joy of what it's like moving from a wealth mindset to a purpose outcome. It's going to allow you to hear from a financial planner at the top of his craft, explain why he moved to family office, and it's going to monetize what family office clients pay for the service offering. So now let's jump straight into the information for making your money. Today I have the pleasure of chatting with Cody Harmon. To provide you with an overview of Cody, let me read directly from his bio. Cody Harmon is Family Office Advisor and Director of Cruise Family Office. Cody is also a director of Cruise Financial Planning. Cody is also a co-founder, CEO of a bank of banking as a service, powered FinTech, Cruise Money. He's a busy boy. He provides business advisory services to successful business owners from inception to exit so that they can build wealth for multiple generations and live their ideal life while protecting their legacy, and researches and experiments with macro components of the Web3 ecosystem, which encompasses crypto assets, NFT, blockchain technology, and metaverses. Cody is practical and creative, not technical. Take note, audience. Cody holds a degree in economics and finance, has industry-specific qualifications, and has a master's degree in financial planning. Cody lives in Melbourne, is married and has a son, Noah, who is about four months old. And we'll we'll get to that. I think that's about right. Uh so welcome, Cody, and thanks for joining me and our audience and giving up your time to share your journey into family office. Thanks, Lance. Any any um time you you need me, I'll definitely give it up for you. Uh, it's lovely, thank you. And uh yeah, we're four months in, I think, with Noah, are we? Roughly four months, Daddy. Something like that? yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Still, still, uh, wanting to be on the boob every every two <laughs> hours, jumping into bed when he can, and uh, yeah. it's great. No, uh, best best thing that's ever happened. I'm really grateful for little Noah. So yeah, he's, he's brought a lot of joy to my life.
0: Oh, that's great, and I'm sure I'm sure as we get into some of the guts of the content, we'll uh, we'll hear more about that family unit and what that means on your transition. So. Um, I just want to chuck, throw a question to you, chuck it to you, see how how this sits as a starting point for the audience. Can you walk us through your pathway to being a family office advisor?
1: Uh, A lot of pain, Lance. Uh, A lot of rabbit holes I've had to go down. Started at a large company, uh, graduate program, Um, uh, one of the, the major big five institutions. Uh, largest wealth institution at the time in 2012. Um, at uni, I cold called multiple firms and um, just through some connections, I got a. I worked for free for seven months, one to two days a week at a financial planning practice and did a lot of hard work and learnt and all that and got off a job as a power one, two days a week that allowed me to get a good uh, graduate position which is heavily sales orientated um i had a lot of training at the amp horizons program and uh that was great there's a lot of successful individuals in the wealth management industry who were sort of just honing their craft at the time and i was lucky lucky enough to get exposure to them uh met one of my current business partners there, and. yeah, we for a few years was in that ecosystem. Um, with some good things and some bad things, and very very heavy sales culture in that network at the time, and that didn't sit well with me. So after a few years in that environment, I moved and thought, well, I've got my networks. What do, what do I do? And I went to a um, you know an I wouldn't say the word independent technically under ASIC, but a
0: Okay, we, we can we
1: can open that up to
0: your own words in, right? We're in safe ecosystem yeah. called podcast. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. The
1: firm, <laughs> yeah, so the firm was you know self-licensed and had um full MDA capability. So every client was on an MDA contract. So I sort of learnt a lot in that environment as well. Um what to do and what not
0: and to do. for some of our audience, what is an MDA?
1: Um Essentially, each client was signed up to a contract that allowed me to manage money within a certain range of within um, in asset classes um, okay. with, with full discretion without needing to issue a record of advice. Well, okay. So it was like heavy investment management focused the role, and uh, you know that it taught me a lot of things, but also taught me that. Financial advisors are not best suited to managing money, so we focus there heavily with one of my current business partners, Jaden Post, on really developing some science and evidence-based decision making around modeling um, to allow clients to get to um, good outcomes. But uh, focusing on enhancement of net worth, not not fluff, not we're going to be a guru and Get you an extra investment return or any of that. It was more um, strategically focused. And so, in in doing that and having good people with me, you know, I was able to probably get to the top of my game pretty quickly in that firm. Um, You know, won some awards and stuff like that with the FPA. I think I'm still the youngest to win their AFP of the Year award. But to me, it's just. it's all buzz and noise that sort of stuff. Um yeah, probably, now looking probably wasn't at the time. I was going to say it nah, sorry. Uh, 25 here, year old 25 yeah. year old um 26 year old sort of yeah a bit different to a 31 year old looking back. So it mm. did that and you know look sort of where I was working and the value set I had at the time didn't really align with where I was so you know uh North Jaden and so we yeah we We've um, set up our own business and that was with Nat as well, Nat Daly, my business partner, and that was called Hardline Wealth. So okay. um, as you can imagine, some 20 or three 20-year-old boys get together in their <laughs> mid-late 20s. The name Hardline is uh oh. Wealth. It sounded great, didn't it? You know, Yes. Big man, puff the chest out, off we go, take over the world. <laughs> um, yeah, and how'd you go? Yeah, yeah, well, you know, a lot of as anyone would know who's been in business a lot of ups and downs but uh, we were licensed with fitzpatrick's private wealth and that was that was a big for us a big step up in our journey in terms of the skill sets and capability that we had um to what was taught so we we were running like a you know yeah bill baccarat style process before going there and we were schooled pretty hard and um you Some great um, concepts by uh, Scott Fitzpatrick and his sort of lead advisor program that they ran at the time. You know, I'm really grateful for some of the a lot of the knowledge that he, in particular, and um, John Woodley and that that license imparted on us. And um, yeah, we were we're fortunate enough to build our business in there for five years. And
0: um, once again, after that five-year journey, and apologies and, for and the where, length of the... Just to cut, cut in on you there, Cody, and where was Hardline Wealth based? Because we're talking Hardline... pre, pre-COVID here, aren't we, at this point? Yeah, so 2017. Yes. yes. So where were you based? We we were fractionalized
1: all over the shop. So Jaden and me were in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Nat was in and We had his cousin, um, Amy. So... Okay. And we had a we, we thought we would set up and um have a crack and we did. And you know, we we um had what was effectively um we, we took a step up and we weren't just financial planning, it was sort of a high high-end private wealth um project management style of service that we were taught and we ran with and built built over the last sort of Um, you know, the first couple, two, three years while in in that business.
0: Yeah, and that's pre pre the virtual world, pre-COVID uptake of uh, financial planners, so that's fairly forward-looking. Yeah. Was that part of the strategic direction for Hardline Wealth at the time, or did you sort of fall into that because that's just the way it played out from where you were were domiciled?
1: Uh, We went to... The, uh, when joining Fitzpatricks, we went to the lead advisor program and after spending three days there, uh, pretty quickly learned my, my spot on the totem pole and I was pegged <laughs> down a few few notches and realized I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. and um, saw the light and um, that we, uh, we, we stepped up our game from there. We ate our humble pie, learned a few things. Mm. Um, So, yeah, it's sort of still a subset. That's obviously a subset of a family office, but we've learned, um, I think, a great pathway to jump up into uh, where we're at um, Mm. and trying to improve
0: day in, day out today. And the and the uh, is it a simple case of rebadging to your new entity name, or is there some structural changes that's forced that, or what's the thinking behind Hardline Wealth to Cruise?
1: Yeah, well, as we age, like a fine wine, you sort of go, well, there's a few things we want to do now. Um, you know, Lance, for me, I've been fascinated with technological movements in banking uh, and crypto and I could see very quickly that there is going to be a lot of people um, who are not doing things that complex they're going to be left to the wayside so I Nat and I are involved in uh, cruise money so that that's the fintech which is going to be an automated money manager uh, it'll save money on behalf of the user and when looking at that and the branding we had yes. uh, we came up with a brand for that entity that was sort of fresh um it's like the you know cruise it's it's got a lot of meaning with yeah. Nats family and you know there was just a lot of omens there and we just sort of run with it you know it's just a name but it's scalable too so uh we we ran with that and then we thought well we've got these clients who are probably at a family office level and we're not running a family office process so the, the problem we had was why are we mixing
0: financial advice okay
1: this okay. yes. private wealth, uh, just
0: private wealth with family office and, uh, and that's a fairly common uh, perplexing problem to have. And if you don't know what you don't know, then you run with that and try and all the different iterations, of course, to uh, to work your way through that maze. I think that's you, you would have spent some time, no doubt, working through that until you come out the other end. And I think that's a fairly normal process that high end financial planners would be working with. Would you Would you concur with that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, a lot of people sort of. can't. It's hard to let go of things, so you sort of hold on to what you had while trying to do what you want to do, and that results in blending things together. And unfortunately, when you blend what is an industry that's um, rightly or wrongly been crushed by regulation, Mm -hmm. um, whether you like it or not, the reality is it has. Valuations have come in. People have left. They are the facts. Yes. That... Um, blending that with something that has probably an increased valuation um, it has a high multiple in terms of valuation being family office mm-hmm. it ultimately creates inefficiencies where you know you're running a you're running a payroll to hire in an FP mm-hmm. world to fund what is more consultancy focused in the family office world and so yeah, we we'll, we're we'll sort of looking at it and we it took us probably a year and a half of thinking and challenging and we thought, well, cruise is good. It's better than hard line, puff your chest out.
0: Yeah, and then yeah. we thought... Yeah. Like, I love the connotation thought, of cruise. It makes me feel comfortable, for sure. You do the work. Yeah, yeah. I have a better life. I like the I like the connection. I'm not sure that's how it was meant to be, but I certainly like the connection, the dovetail between the, the name and okay. the output. So, very good.
1: Well, the, the idea will be is that... Um, the whole ecosystem can ethically feed each other. Um, yes. Okay. And the, the the fintech app will serve the masses who have been priced out of advice. The financial planning entity will then capture those who are in need of good, fair fee advice. Yes. That requires some science, some modelling, some products, etc. And then there will be the family office, which is for the, you know, we'll get into that.
0: So we will get into that. But if you're sitting, if you're sitting in the, if you're listening uh, from the audience and you're sort of pondering, okay, well, that's good for you, Cody. And thank you for sharing that with us. Would you, if you had your time again, Go down the pathway you've gone down, being a diverse background as an entry point to become a high-end planner. Firstly, and then secondly, would you stove off, cut off, dice off, sell off, orphan off, off a financial planning business uh, if you were sitting there with that diverse problem around? We've got some, you know, reasonably good sort of profiled uh, client avatars that align with family office. I've learned a little bit about that and the rest of our client book is financial planning. Would you would you subscribe to the pathway of doing what crews have done in the sense of running two different silos uh, or would you, with the wisdom of hindsight, we've all got a master's in hindsight, would you be saying to the audience, um, you know work out very clearly your your pathways either go as a as a standalone offering called family office or dovetail that with your existing financial planning business what's been your experience and your thoughts around that given that you've now got some runs on the board for the average the average practice out there who might have let's say 3 financial planners like you had at hardline wealth
1: yeah um i would say for us given the years that we did it and the journey and the regulation at the time, well, I wouldn't change a thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: However, uh, if I was sitting here now as a financial advice business, yes. I would say it's. I would be looking to sell or you're going to have the difficulty of do I get a licence? Do I have 12 months to get a licence? My current licence, fucked. Yeah. Um You know, I've got to hire 180k of resource to help that, and because of that issue, I would sell. I would be looking to, um, if I had the capability. Yep. Yes. um, I would be looking to align in some way and get out and get into family office. If I didn't, too scary for me. Love financial planning. Yes. Um, I'd be looking to. Potentially merge into someone who's gone through the pain. Mm-hmm. If you're a one man operator, two person, and you've got a lot of pain and you need support, mm-hmm. um, merging into someone who has the infrastructure and ability to bootstrap you, yeah. so you can kick a ball with your kids yeah. um, on a Friday and not work
0: fifty hours a week. We just need Noah to get a little bit taller. I think at this point, but he's on the way. Four months, he's he's heading there, so that's good. So give it, you're about you're about uh, I think it's about three months in there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're around about circa three months into being a family office advisor. What are the nuggets you can give the audience about what you've learnt to date? Um, you know the good, bad, and the ugly. If I open it up. Yeah, like when you learn anything new,
1: you're gonna feel like you're being whacked over the head, and uh, you are, you know, you're swimming, you're uncomfortable, but it's good. That's when pressure creates diamonds. So for me, it's, I know when I feel that way, it means I'm growing. So that's the feeling side. Uh, the logical side is, is, it's been good to just get rid of financial planning. And the question you've maybe asked me, and I've heard it somewhere, is how free do you want to be? Mm-hmm. And I fucking Wish. feel free.
0: Yeah, well, okay. And, so, and, d- and,
1: and and so you've got the ability now to not worry about that noise, yes. compliance, FDS, renewal, engagement agreement, determination, BDO, all the shit that uh, is... To be honest, for me, it makes me feel sick thinking about it now. Um, yeah,
0: I couldn't go back, Lance. Yeah. Go back. And and do you, with that experience, limited experience, and put that to the audience, you know, I think we're sitting probably about three months. That's about right, Katie, somewhere there, with your experience where you've been completely hands on in the family office space and off the tools, um, completely yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, would, would you think um, a person listening, who has self-doubt, maybe contemplating put a toe in the water, uh, has the ability to start, or do you think the obstacle is too high? They have the ability to start,
1: Mm -hmm. and it will take a while, and the reason is it might take, I'd say, a one to two-year condensed period of pain and learning. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason I say that is because, with the model that Fitzpatrick's had, you sort of
0: get, let's say, 60 to 70% of the way there. Yes. And then... Which which, which uh, I think would fair to be say would be a lot more than most, substantially yeah, more yeah. than most. Yes?
1: it's Yeah, probably the best of high-end private wealth yes. I've seen. Okay. And so to get to that point alone is a lot yes. of pain. And you, you look in clients in the eyes who are running businesses and you're trying to quote, fees of two grand a month or something like that mm-hmm. you've got to get there and and then to, to get further to family office as well you don't have to go through the transition but it's just there is a bit of a journey there and um some advisors are lance sitting like oh, two three years experience uh, what do i do right yep. yes That's a, they got more pain but they still can be done Yep. The right mentors are there to get to family office, compared mm-hmm. to someone who's been in private wealth. They've seen small business CGT concessions. Yes. They've seen um, estate planning complex. They've they they've seen a lot of the stuff. They're comfortable. That's that can be
0: that jump can be done quite quickly yeah. to family office. And what's the good? What's the good? So we felt we felt some of that pain and wisdom, which is good. Is the is there any sort of nuggets in the good in that limited period of time that you've been playing in family office? Is there? How free do you want to be? Which is great. Uh, any other nuggets that sit there along with the learnings you've had in those few months to date? Which which let's say they have either uh, they're still good, they're positive. Uh, you wouldn't change it. You've articulated that. And the good might not be as enhanced as you thought it might be, but it's still good. Uh, Or something's blown you out of the water that's better than what you thought it would be. What's what's some of the positives that you've picked up? The need
1: to evolve myself, as in my ability to communicate in a uh, let's say an agitating way, um, controlling the frame of conversations. Those conversational skill sets have improved and are improving and need to continue to improve. But that has been a major nugget for me, as well as the certainty of a repeatable process to deliver good client outcomes and deal with the complex, but have it being sustainable and repeatable. A lot of private wealth processes out there just sort of let's pay a monthly fee and make shit up and keep it going. Oh, I'm an investment guru, but now I'm not. I'm an estate planning guru because markets are down. Or oh, now, and now markets are up. I'll glitch the investments. I'll keep my retainer going. Mm-hmm. That's jumping from that to, no, this is a process. I'm the advisor concierge. I've got a subset of solutions here that you need at various points. I have the authority and the experience to decide what and when is used, um, in what order. Is that that jump is, I think, satisfying for me to know that there's more sustainability of revenue and
0: an uplift in revenue and an uplift in client outcomes as well. So, would a person would a person listening who is shall I put it into a box and we'll call it non-disciplined. Might be quite competent, very technical, very sound, great client engagement. Uh, They love their clients. Clients love them. Their team's great. Their culture's great. Their brand's great. The AFSL's great. Uh, By by the way, if anyone's listening that's got all of those things, please let me know. Um, I was going to say, it's a fairy tale. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) well, yeah, but there's plenty of people who want to believe their own fairy tales. Um, And let's say they've got all of that, uh, from what you've just said, I'm hearing that you would not be advising those people to enter into family office space thinking a price point is going to be the, the white knight that's going to solve the world because they could come unstuck with being non-productive even though the price point is higher. Would that be a fair assertion? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So there is there is that process and governance part that you're you're just you've discovered in your limited time, and that's a pretty good pickup in a short period of time. Um, and has that been higher or lower than what you thought it ex- existed, or did you think it existed as a as a framework, having to have procedures and processes?
1: Definitely knew it had to exist, but had not seen it done so we were we had plans in place internally to make up our own three meeting process sort of mixed bit of mixing in a bit of baccarat three meeting process with what we knew and um certain amount of touch points all this kind of stuff but ultimately it still blends in the financial planning and as soon as you go there it's pain so, from our point of view, <laughs> I'm feeling that, Katie. I'm feeling that with, yeah. that, <laughs> with that breath, yeah.
0: the pause. I felt that pain.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good because that's, I hope the audience feels it. So, um, the movement from thinking that way and also seeing uh, a, a solution and a process that's repeatable and uh, well researched, well thought out. Um, was was a breath of fresh air for me to plug and play into, uh, as opposed to trying to reinvent the wheel. Uh, I'll challenge things if I think they're not don't make sense, uh, but it's just good to it's it's good to have that certainty. Yeah, it, it,
0: and along your journey, has there been? Can, can you clearly articulate a moment, a light bulb moment, where, and in your own words, the movement from financial planning to family office triggered i would say
1: when it's been positioned to a couple clients and i finally started to realize that it's about the outcomes they're getting not the output so that penny dropped and to give you an example. Traditionally, people will go, I've got all these cool tricks. Yeah, I've talked to you about this, that, you trust me, get it. And by the way, there's, oh, we can do this re-contribution strategy. We can testamentary trust. We can small business CGT, cost-based uplift, and the client gets peppered. And at the end of the day, they're not buying that. They're buying what that gives them.
0: So let's just start, let's the just shit. run with that. Let's just stay on that runway. Um, there'd be people listening, I'm sure, that will challenge that, and the hairs will be up on their back, and they'll be they'll be breathing fire, which is great. That's the purpose of having podcasts is so that we can kick the can around. Um, for the people who uh, have though any of those technical competencies, let's say they've got one of those, they might be CGT small business CGT experts. That's their niche. That's what they do what's your experience or what would you be saying to the audience who are sitting there listening, going, well, you're a bit of a wanker, Cody because you clearly don't have my experience. You don't have my expertise in small business CGT. I provide an enormous amount of value and transform people's lives with putting that under 55 into super and paying no tax. And I think it's a bit arrogant of you to make comments along the lines of, um, you know, we're not as um, you know, focused on outcomes as, what you seem to be with this crazy wacko model called family office that seems to be also good. What has that been a a thought sort of process or an observation that you are comfortable in saying, yes, you've, you've, you've had that sort of pushback uh, to justify existing and staying where you were with hardline wealth in financial planning. Um, And if so, or if not, what, makes the difference now for you to make the comment that you've made around the outcome versus the output to that um, example I've just provided?
1: So, in terms of experience, um, cost-based uplift, you know, I've sat in on, you know, at least 20 meetings with tax lawyers and accountants talking through those strategies. You know, I get i'm not as good as an accountant would be or a tax lawyer would be you know but i get i get i get it a lot okay. i don't understand it i get you're gonna save a client over half over half a million dollars in tax you can perform a range of other strategies around it i get that that's all output yeah i can maybe uh get some deductibility on my home loan get a chunk into the super rollover replacement asset I'll yes. sell my business for 10 million, locked in four million, I get I get the tax paid on the four million, six million, I've got the um tax on that only, I get it, right? Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yes. But at the end of the day, if you've got a client to choose between
0: that mm-hmm. and all which those, is pretty good, right? I think you'd agree. That's pretty good compared to not having access to that knowledge and expertise. Right. yeah. It's yeah. a pretty cool outcome. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but whoever's advising on that, the question
1: is, is are they providing that advice in line with what the family's legacy is and what it stands for and what their
0: charter says? Or do they know, yeah, or do they even know? Or do
1: they know, yeah, Yeah. do they know that, um, that, as an example, uh, the family might have built wealth through a, you know, just – Shooting the shit. The husband might have built a lot of wealth in his business, mm-hmm. but he did it in a business he didn't have as much purpose with. So he wants to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you knew what the charter said and the legacy said, you might realize that based on the age of the family, they want to start a family business with more purpose mm-hmm. that using it Gee, might not be the or tax. Yeah. It's the yeah. replacement asset, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so we might roll that into a family permaculture farm operation yes okay right yes yeah. so that's
0: that's the difference in the and, strategy and when you were on the tools which we uh, we've identified you're now happily off when you were on the tools sitting in hardline wealth financial planning sitting in your 20 meetings with the with the people achieving you know good tax outcomes and good outcomes would you subscribe to that pushback if somebody was to come to you like i've just articulated and asked you and said to you that's just a transaction yeah so would you would you subscribe to what i've just articulated to you around when you were on the tools at hardline wealth and you're sitting in those 20 meetings and your mindset is that we are providing you know expertise top of our game we're doing phenomenal things uh, and somebody was to come along to you and say cody that's just a transaction how would that have felt? Oh, you would. You, your instinct is to sort of dig the
1: heels in and go, "Well, that's fine." But I'm, I'm, I'm a guru and I've I've figured it all out and get stuff. That's that's the natural no. instinct. And to be honest, I'll be quite frank. When I, you know, before I actually met you and understood what it was. Um, I thought that it was just, I had it figured out. Um, and so that...
0: And I that, suggest you did. <laughs> I suggest you did have it figured out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, transac- that, that transaction out. was done competently. Yeah, I'm sure that yeah. was the case. I yeah. had a great relationship, and some of
1: the audience, I had a great relationship, and I still do with my clients. Yes. It's just that this enhances that. You get to embed yourself more in the family and in the business to drive those outcomes forward. and. There's a, there's a better relationship with your clients. There's,
0: yeah, that small business CGT, that's just a subset within a subset. And how challenging has it been for you in the three months to test your um, head up your ass, arrogant, top of my game? I've been through private wealth. I've done the hard yards. I've done cold calling. I've earned my seat at this table. Uh, I feel as though I've won some awards and I'm quite capable and competent to, you know, have the right to talk to people, around the topic of family office, how have you found that from a confronting, um, you know, emotional intelligence learning exercise versus the ideology you thought would be somewhat different, either easier or harder? How's that transition been?
1: For me, it's been good. And the reason it's been good is because when I realised that what I'm doing is suboptimal or not as good as it could be i i personally and this is just everyone's different and i get that Um, i i personally go into overdrive go this needed to be done yesterday and you've seen that probably already is i want i go well every client needs to go through this and if they don't like it then you're not the right fit and that's that's the reality for, for the ones who are in that position and so if they don't like it they can go to the private wealth advisor and they can be referred on that's okay
0: Yes. Um,
1: and what's right will be right people will voice what their preferences are based on what you've provided but it's it's been a good change for me it's been a lot of workload and
0: and and that's because your head hurts because you're learning however it's- <laughs> and you've got noah. <laughs> You know, you don't need to share this if you don't wish to. I'm putting you on the spot here. Um, Do you genuinely or rhetorically uh, tell the client it's okay if this is not for you, you need to be sitting in family – sorry, you need to be sitting in private wealth or sitting in uh, an industry super fund uh, or you need to be sitting in a financial planning model? Do you genuinely uh, own that comment or is it a rhetorical, nice-sounding comment? In the last – Two
1: years, I've handed every financial planning client to my business partner over. Mm-hmm. So, no, I stand
0: by that. Yeah. And I don't, can't imagine that would be an easy thing to do when you've got bills to pay like everybody else in an ecosystem and running a tech business and uh, walking away potentially from revenue and relationships that you've worked your guts out to establish. I can't imagine that is a straightforward process.
1: It's not, and the default is is a commitment bias. I've committed to this. I've got confirmation. My thought patterns are biasing me to this. Um, I've got, you know, the fear of loss and all of that and um, status quo. I don't want to change my default, all those things. <laughs> but, yes. Um, the, my question would be back to you or the audience would be, is your client better off? being with you trying to be half pregnant Mm -hmm. or is your client better off with someone who's all in on
0: what their needs are Uh, i think i think the 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 fair answer the pub test answer to that would be apply applying a sort of a reasonable person test would be that if the client is unaware therefore ill-informed of an alternative they can't make an informed decision other than what sits in front of them, be that private wealth, be that um, intra-fund advice, be that financial planning advice. So the responsibility to test that, I suppose, has to sit with the audience who challenge themselves first to be able to enter that conversation with people to give them that option to then know what they currently don't know. I think that would be a fair builder.
1: If you're a builder and you got that qualification, but previously... You know, you're a cabinet maker. Yes. You're still trying to do the cabinet making while doing the building. And you go to the, you know, you you quote a job up and a million dollar build, but then there's, I don't know, a hundred grand of cabinetry work you want to get your get your teeth into. Is it the right thing to try and do both? And I'd say no, because the pure builder is a better builder than you are. It's the facts. You might be brilliant, you might be able to do two at once, and the pure cabinet maker is probably more up-to-date with changes in the um, limits of what screws they can put in on a cabinet. So it's
0: it's free of defects and all that. Good example. So, yeah. So on your journey, journey, I'm sure we're going to have a massive percentage of the audience in transition of, uh, you know, educational frameworks, whatever they are, wherever they are on that pathway, whether they're starting, whether they're near completion, whether they're vacillating, uh, whether they're pushing back. Was the education standards, for the betterment of our audience, was the education standards an issue at all in your transition to family office? And if so, what percentage weighting would it, would it have been in that decision? Zero.
1: Outside of... Qualifications needed to establish authority? Yes. If clients care about that, uh, zero. Yeah. The okay. need to—I run a rat race of qualifications. I started. I thought, oh, yep, RG one four six economics finance degree. I'm set. Get in there. Oh no, you need SMS set. Do that. <laughs> oh no, you need gearing and margin lending. Do that. Tick tick. Oh. You know what, Big Four and AMP, you need a master's degree by 2020 or you can't practice here anymore, thinking I'm going to be there for that long. Yes. I go do the master's at uh, Griffith, I think where you teach. Master of Financial Planning, tick, tick. Oh, no, no, that's not enough. No, you, you, you need ethics. You need the the commercial law. Sorry, the law subject you did doesn't transfer to this, so you need to do that too. Sorry, credit doesn't compute. That's the, uh, <laughs> Degrees you did start twenty fourteen, so I do that. I'm, share, then, I'm oh, sharing
0: in your pain. i laughing with you. Uh, and then we got an
1: exam. No, <laughs> the audience will love this. Oh, <laughs> then you got your exam on top of that. But then you had an exam for the ethics subject, which is really just repeating in the last exam subject. But I passed the previous one, which was harder than the last exam. So I do all of that, and then and then you're like, cool, I'm done now. And then it's like, oh, by the way, we're just going to change the goalposts again. And your file notes are now not 10 pages, they're 20 pages, and then we've got DDO, and I'm like, all right, I'm out. See you later.
0: <laughs> so, um, Julie, I'm getting to that light bulb moment, which I asked you earlier, and we didn't get there, and that's okay. Uh, oh, yeah, light bulb, at Lance. So oh, where yeah, was, no,
1: no. Can I go to that now? The light bulb.
0: Where was the light bulb went, moment of F-fish. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: The light bulb moment is when <laughs> you're on vetting, And you're being told by compliance people how you should advise your client when my dealer fee indirectly funds your salary and I'm doing things similarly to other planners who are also off-heading and there is an arbitrary line on that. And I got to that point and I also looked at that and all the compliance all the ship, all the stuff I talked about, and I just thought,
0: uh, no more. (laughs) <laughs> Very well put. And, and on that journey, you've ticked a lot of boxes as well to uh, probably validate the lack of the requirement for vetting as opposed to some of your peers. But anyway, I'm sure that's a story I said, for another. said, Jaden, you can have it all.
1: <laughs> and he smiled and said, I'm more compliant than you and I'm efficient and said yes. So there we go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a good a good outcome for all parties by the sounds of that one.
1: Um, yeah, no, it is. It's been great. I can't, yeah, it's been so really good. What, to what, see.
0: Counsel, um, what counsel would you give anyone listening if they're pondering whether or not to put their toe in the water and explore family office? So we're talking the, the, you know, not talking the infliction point, we're talking the inception point where they've heard what you've just said, they're laughing with you, they're feeling the pain. And I'm sure a lot of people are are on that transition of getting those boxes ticked. Um, and they might say that, look, that's fantastic, you know, it's almost done, but, you know, I I concur with what you said. You thought every one of those things was it and it would be done and it just kept compounding. Um, So what what would your counsel be to someone, given your experience, given your journey, um, to someone, if they're listening, around pondering whether or not they should put their toe in the water and explore family office? I would say find someone who is
1: running a family office and sign a non-disclosure agreement and sit in on a management team meeting and see how it goes.
0: Wow. Wow. There's a unicorn. Fantastic. Yeah, that's uh, brilliant. Absolutely wonderful. So the audience, there there it is. Um, Cody Harmon is running family office. He's a family office advisor. So please reach out to himself or myself if that's something that's of interest to you. Knowing what you know, knowing what you know now, Cody. Knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently on your journey?
1: I would do nothing differently uh, because failures are learning, and they're just temporary. Mm-hmm. So I, I embrace mistakes because it's. If anything, what I would do differently would be. Uh, uh, not let AMP make me take down a blog that I had set up. I was early on social channels and keep going with that. I'd <laughs> probably be retired from all the royalty fees. But no, just kidding. I would um <laughs> what I would do differently.
0: Yeah, knowing what you know now, what would you do differently on your journey to be where you're sitting in family office? Or would you do anything differently?
1: I would I'd be I'd be more patient and enjoy the journey a bit more so you know there's a lot of good moments in the journey so far and uh realizing that you know rome's not built in a day you know you can't you're a graduate one two years in you can't just go move straight away have your own afsl have this start have all the pain think dimensionally spin off this spin off that idea do that do this have staff supporting you. It doesn't just, you can't just click your fingers. So what I would be saying is enjoy the, enjoy each moment for what it is. You know, if you're a student who's just come out, it's a good time to, your brain's really open. You can absorb a lot. What you're absorbing will be different to what I absorb. It's probably better than what I absorb. Um, (laughs) And embrace and just be a bit, be patient, you know, work, don't, don't be lazy. Be definite with your purpose and definite with the actions and the plan towards that. But just be patient because, yeah, that build your networks and kiss the frogs you need to build good networks and be patient. Yeah. That's what I'd, I'd, I'd enjoy the moment a bit more.
0: I find the learnings that uh, we can give people is is the real intel um, from podcasts that I like to hear the authenticity of what people can share of their either oh, mistakes or learnings or whatever it is. but um, for me they're the they're the words of wisdom for people who've walked before you to share. Some people uh, you know will have great stories, some people have some more stories and somewhere in between. and uh, I just always think it's important to close off with you know what are the learnings that you can gift people so they don't need to replicate the mistakes or, They can follow in your footsteps where you think it's been a wise thing to do.
1: Just on those learnings, if I could quickly add something.
0: Please. It's not just
1: about the money and your financial skill set. For me, it's a balance of health and relationships. And, you know, you need to, if you're just as good as your competition, uh, but they're eating healthier than you, they're fitter than you, they have more time to do that, they have time to focus on improving themselves and their relationships with others and their community, then, you know, you will you'll be left behind and ultimately your, your success will be less fruitful. So I would be oh, nice. saying that uh-huh. the focus holistically on other areas is going to be important. You've got to, it's as hard on the brain You've got to be you've got to be getting that cortisol out of your system at the end of the day. You've got to be working out, you've got to be eating healthy. You're not gonna you, if you're gonna smash Maccas, um not work out, uh you're not you won't last in a family office environment. But cognitive capability and load is too high. I'll put that there. That's an unorthodox one. I'll leave people with, they'll get angry
0: at that, but fuck it. That's okay, yeah. <laughs> and and uh and in winding up, would you subscribe to my following statement you thought it was going to be harder if not impossible to get enough clients to justify your decision to move to family office
1: no i have no limiting beliefs on that um i I would i would find the clients i thought it would be hard to run a repeatable process because of the complex of it the 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 intellect needed to run a family office I thought it would be too complicated to have a repeatable process and I've seen that that is now available. That was my big fear. Mm, which Client, clients, mm. fees, that's that's fine for me. I'll, people refer to me, I I put myself out there, insert myself into
0: communities and be of service and that then the work comes. So Interesting. Yeah. Good. Cody Harmon. thank you for your time and your generosity of your intel. It's Always awesome when people just open it up and share that, and I'm very, very grateful for your time. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Lance. Anytime, mate.
0: If you want our help in any way, shape, or form, go to genmfo.com. That's G-E-N-M-F-O.com and interact. Please share this episode with anyone you care about so that they, like you, can have a pathway to wealth, health, and a legacy. Please leave an episode review at genmfo.podbean.com dot com, Apple or Google Podcasts, or your favourite podcast app, and subscribe to not miss our latest episodes. Until our next episode, remember, if a pathway to wealth, health, and a legacy is what you seek, generational is where you start. Thanks for listening.